say is in a crucial stage. It's not because of foreign wars we wage. It's more to do with the colors blue and red. Too many laws and too much government. Can you tell me where the Constitution went? The Bill of Rights is just hanging by a thread. So many people trying to cross the border. Politicians build a new world order. Too many minds are convinced they should be led. I've got to be free the way God made men. And I won't be ruled by the damned who went. Taking your right to self defense. They say you're safer, but they don't make sense. Dangerous ones will not turn in the guns. Always ask for more. All we buy is made on foreign shores. Come a day when there'll be real hell to pay. I gotta be free the way God made men. And I won't be ruled by the damned who went. Welcome to today's broadcast of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing. After all, it is America and you should be allowed to do whatever you want within reason as long as it's legal and not hurting anybody. And of course, those wishes are only directed towards you if you happen to fall outside of the usual caveats. Uh, those caveats, of course, being if you happen to be a person engaged in global jihad or if you just happen to be a violent criminal of any kind. I, I have occasionally added a few more folks to the list, and then sometimes I take them off. But uh, the point of the matter is, if you fall among those categories, then I'm not really hoping that you're having a fantastic day. Because in order for you to have a fantastic day, it means somebody else must be having a rather bad day. Uh, see, you're, you're just a bad person. Okay, you're, you're doing the, the life thing wrong. If you're taking pleasure or even just trying to make a living by hurting other people, then you're a bad person. Cut it out. Stop it. Be good. It's possible. All right. Anyway, I am your ever so humble and mostly peaceful host, Tim Tapcomedia, live from historic Roan County, Tennessee. Uh, although many of you will not be hearing me live, so you know sometimes I 
I think about taking that out. I've put more of a conscious effort into not necessarily saying coming to you live, more along the lines of saying coming to you from and leaving the live part out. But there are still a few folks that do get to hear me live and uh, going to be working on trying to bolster that. Okay, uh, before we get into anything today, uh, a couple of things. I want to make sure that everybody's aware. Only one hour tonight. Only going to do one hour tonight. And if you guys like the one-hour bit, uh, shorter, more focused things, more than the two-hour shows, let me know. Reach out. Shoot me a message over at uh, uh, the Tap Into The Truth website. That's T-A-P-P, Into The Truth, all one word, dot com. Uh, and uh, just let me know what you think. I mean, I, I'm more than happy to do it. I need to do at least an hour for the purposes of the terrestrial radio audience. But if you prefer the one-hour blocks, a little more focused, fewer stories, I like the two-hour blocks. I just don't have the time right now. Uh, lots of things going on. Anyway, uh, like I said, just let me know. Also want to remind everybody that, uh, hey, go visit PatriotMusic.com. If you like that song that I come into, or if you like the songs where I normally uh, go out, you know, at the end of the show, the very end, if you like those songs, go check out PatriotMusic.com. I, it's just go over there, let Matt know I sent you. Matt Fitzgibbons is a fantastic musician, and uh, he's a, a great historian at that as well. And that's how he first came onto the show. And before you knew it, I was uh, thinking to myself, I've listened to these songs. I need to use some of these tunes. Matt, Matt, please, please, will you let me, let me. Basically, I begged him like a three-year-old until he finally said, Fine, Tim, I will let you do it. Just stop bugging me. No, nah, it was nothing at all like that. But uh, Now, Matt's a great guy. And uh, I said, hey, you know what? These songs should be uh, in the bumper rotation of every conservative show around the world, period, in discussion. And uh, he was like, well, you know, I'm, I'm glad you feel that way about it. I said, would you mind, since you're glad I feel that way about it, would you mind if I used it? He's like, no, no, not at all. In fact, have at it. So here we are with those uh, roll-ins and roll-out songs. And I'm just please go go visit Matt over at PatriotMusic.com and, uh, you know, let him know I sent you. It's not going to get you any discounts or anything if you decide to make a purchase. You don't have to purchase anything when you're there. You can just check out some stuff. But no matter what you're doing, just let him know I sent you. I still like for him to know that I'm still telling people, hey, go check out this really great guy doing really good work over here because that's exactly what he's doing. Speaking of great guys doing really good work, uh, once again, I want to remind everybody that we are still giving away, early August, 20 copies, 20 of them, that's what I got, that's what I'll be giving away to you guys, lucky listeners, who want a shot at winning one of these uh, books. The uh, newest book from A.J. Rice, The Woking Dead, uh, not a typo, that's there, uh, I've been telling you guys what you need to do. Uh, since I first started the contest, I actually have uh, gotten over onto Locals.com and have also uh, gotten onto uh, Truth Social. So those are platforms that you can now also use. In fact, if, because I'm still trying to get people to go over to the Tap Into The Truth community over at Locals.com, if you go over to Locals.com and sign up, become a member of the Tap Into the Truth community, you'll get additional chances to win the drawing uh, 
but we have it in early August. The book is uh, still not released yet. It's going to be released in the final week of July, which is actually coming pretty fast now. We are already uh, well into the uh, month of June. We are closer to the end of the month than to the beginning of the month now. We've already passed Juneteenth and all that good stuff. We've already gotten past the first day of summer, and man, oh man, is it hot business out here. At any rate, uh, there's lots of stuff going on that I need to get to, but I want to remind you, if you will go over to uh, the Locals page for the Tap Into the Truth community and just join the community, uh, you'll get extra chances to win. Uh, here's what you have to do in order to have a chance to win the drawing, though. Go to any of the social media platforms where either I personally have a uh, presence or that the show has a preference. And then be sure to tag either me or the show, depending on which one's available. Uh, both are available on Facebook and uh, Twitter. Otherwise, I've just kind of split between them. Some things are the show, some things are me. But uh, this is uh, social media platforms that include True Social, it includes Clout Hub, it includes Parler, Getter, Spreely, Gab. MeWe, uh, Minds.com, I will include LinkedIn, uh, obviously I've already mentioned Facebook and Twitter, uh, it uh, will also include, uh, what's left, I, there's there's a lot of them, I, I lose track, I think that's most of them. Now, uh, if you are on a social media platform that you really dig and you think I should be there, and I'm not... Uh, then uh, shoot me a message. Uh, let me know, and uh, I'll look into possibly joining uh, that too because the idea of the social media stuff is to help to promote the show. <clears throat> Excuse me. All right, I'm nearly 10 minutes in, and I'm only doing an hour tonight, and I've got two stories I want to get to, so I guess I had better switch gears and get into uh, the news mode, shall I? Although before I do that, I guess I really need to finish explaining how to get in on the drawing, shouldn't I? Uh, that would make sense. So uh, on any of these social media platforms, just be sure to uh, to tag me, uh, mention me, whatever it is you need to do to make sure that I'll be notified that you've done this, mentioning either me or the show. Uh, and then the process, what I need to know after that is where you listen to tap into the truth. So if you're somebody listening over at the last frequency, for example. Well, then by all means, uh, just say, hey, uh, hey, at TimTap, uh, so happy to be listening to Tap Into the Truth uh, over at the last frequency. Uh, you know, that that's all it's going to take. And then you're in for the drawing. If you want to mention uh, The Woking Dead, by all means, go ahead and include it, but it's not necessary to be included in the drawing, not at this point. Although, I would like it if you did. It's not necessary, but it'd be great if you did. Uh, after that, I just need to be able to know, like I said, where you're listening at. So, Last Frequency, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever you might be listening from. It's all good. Doesn't matter which. But I do want to make sure that uh, at least one person from various platforms, uh, the, the bigger platforms where a majority of listeners at, have a chance. And then I want to make sure that at least one person from some of the smaller platforms that carry the show but don't get the same love. I want to make sure some of you guys get some of the love, too. So the point of the matter is I need you to share the show, all right? Uh, do the shout-outs. Let me know. Share a link. 
in uh, your post to a show page, wherever you're listening at, too. So if you're listening at uh, Spotify, for example, then uh, put a link to uh, the Spotify page for the show. That way, everybody that sees you will know that you're sharing the show, and maybe they'll come check it out. That would be great. All right, I better get started, or I'm not going to have any time for anything else, because an hour is a surprisingly short amount of time. Now, ordinarily... I would have done a show last night, and I wouldn't get to talk about this particular topic. Uh, this certainly probably would have ended up waiting until uh, tomorrow before getting to it. But for the benefit of those of you that are listening to the terrestrial radio, time of this live broadcast happens to be June 22nd of 2022, meaning that it's Wednesday night. And that uh, used to be a regular broadcast night back when I was doing the BTR thing exclusively. I've kind of switched it over to Tuesdays because I'm still doing the Sunday thing and typically doing two hours. It breaks up well. But anyway, it is Wednesday night. So Tuesday night, breaking news. More than a dozen Republicans joined a mostly Democrat effort to advance this gun control bill through the Senate. And, uh, well, they kind of made it happen. Now, remember, we've been talking in the last couple of broadcasts about the framework. But seeing the framework is not knowing exactly what's in the bill. Now, some of the notable Republicans that joined in this farce, this bipartisan gun grab that is still a gun grab, no matter how bipartisan it is, well, includes Senator John Corrin, who actually helped to write the framework, South Carolina's Lindsey Graham, Mitch McConnell from Kentucky, the Senate Republican Minority Leader, also known as Turtle Man and also known as Cocaine Mitch, depending on what circles you're in. These guys helped Democrats pass a procedural vote, 64 to 34, a mere two hours after the text of the bill circulated. Two hours. They first started circulating. Now, that doesn't mean everybody had it in their hands two hours at a time. In fact, a lot of senators have went on the record during some point of the day today, Tuesday, well, I'm sorry, today, Wednesday. See how I'm used to being on Tuesdays? Went through, and, the, and all day long, a lot of them talked about the fact that they were forced by leadership into taking a positive stance. Several of them still refused to acquiesce, but uh, there was a lot of browbeating going on. They wanted to do this, and it most likely is a campaign. Uh, you know, it's a campaign trick. It's typical politics trying to take gun control off the table for the Democrats going into the midterms, possibly even going right on into the presidential election in 2024. want to step back and be able to say, because uh, here's the thing, Joe Biden wants to be able to say, see, we tried to do this. We tried to do something. But those mean old Republicans stood in the way. They just won't do anything good. They won't do anything to help protect you from the evil of those guns. All those crazed, bloodthirsty AR-15s roaming in the wild. Sometimes as loners, sometimes in packs, looking for you, the most vulnerable among the Americans. Such a dangerous time we live in. Yeah, that's the kind of, 
almost used a word I shouldn't have if I wanted to say it on radio. Uh, this is the kind of stuff the Democrats are trying to push right now, and it's pretty clear that that's what it is. So from a political standpoint, I understand why Mitch McConnell wants to bend on this because there's not a lot of new stuff in this, but the parts that are new are pretty scary. There's a lot of room intentionally added, even with some of the older stuff, just adding new taxpayer dollars to fund some stuff. But it's worded just vague enough to make some significantly dangerous changes to due process in the United States and to also try and push us a little further down that slippery slope of ending any true meaning for the Second Amendment. So they had less than two hours. Every member of the Senate that was not part of the framework committee, in other words, these folks knew what was in the bill at the time they released the framework. But if you weren't part of that group, you had less than two hours to try to get through the text of this bill. The bill, of course, uh, would be passed later this week by the Senate most likely and then move on to the House where it's expected to pass easily there. The bill would then go to Joe Biden's desk, which, of course, he will whine and complain that it doesn't go far enough, but he'll sign it because he understands the rules of incrementalism. He understands that the political left in this country, they chip away and chip away and chip away, and then when the chunks start getting bigger and bigger, they move from a a tiny hammer and chisel to a, a jackhammer, and then... When that starts to give away, they start swinging with uh, gigantic hydraulic systems that are designed for deep mining, and, and they just keep going to use bigger tools. And But because they've done it incrementally, uh, it's the equivalent of uh, the political version of the frog in the pot of water. Anyway, the 80-page legislation, 80 pages... Less than two hours to read through 80 pages of legalese, guys. It includes language on highly controversial so-called red flag laws. Now, yeah, that's, that is true. According to Fox News, the bill provides grants for states that implement their own red flag laws and offers additional funding for both school safety measures and mental health services. Now, this is something that they're doing. They've kind of figured out that they can face a lot of challenges from the Constitution. They could even have some of their more left-leaning justices in the Supreme Court side with the conservatives and strike some of this stuff down if it's written up as federal legislation. That it's going to be the federal government instituting red flag laws. But they figured out if they just support states that are doing it, then it's a lot harder to make anything happen because it becomes a state issue, or at least kind of, sort of. You see, this is the whole new tack that we've been seeing for a while now. California likes to accuse Texas of doing it because it's the first time we saw it used in a political hot-button issue, but California is actually the ones who started this. We, we saw states try to get off the hook of being legally enforcing a particular law by allowing private sector policing of an issue. Now, 
this was notably done in California under uh, the, if you're in the food industry, you very much are aware of, uh, Prop 65. Now, Prop 65 literally affects everything that they sell in the state of California, so it's not just food. But if you're in the food industry, that's an actual word that I should be able to say, then then you become aware of it very quickly if you start trying to do business in the state of California. So the the big thing here, though, is that it's not the state that's actually doing it. So now the the folks over at the federal level are starting to to clue in and say, you know what? This seems like a, a workaround. And isn't it a shame that so many people that swear an oath to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States, still spend so much of their time and energy trying to figure out work-arounds to the Constitution. Anyway, when we look at Senator Corrin, Corrin claimed on the Senate floor Tuesday that the bill would not create a national red flag law adding that states could receive the funding regardless of whether they enact such programs. Uh, This according to a report in The Hill. However, the way it's worded, there's plenty of opportunity for the Senate to establish a committee, possibly even just establish a new department that falls under the auspice of the executive branch, filled with bureaucrats, and these people will decide who does and does not qualify. So while they'll say states that don't enact them can still get the funding, they have to say that. and They have to pretend like there's a way for it to happen in order to avoid somebody coming right out and saying, oh, you're being discriminatory against people who still like to exercise their God-given constitutionally protected rights. Anyway, the measure also creates penalties for straw purchases of firearms, and we talked about that in the framework, and we talked about some of the potential issues there. It requires more gun sellers to register as federally licensed firearm dealers, and it closes the so-called boyfriend loophole by prohibiting gun access for people convicted of domestic abuse against an intimate partner. Now, I want to address these issues again. Now, if you were with me uh, a few broadcasts back, then you realize we were kind of covering this before anybody got there. One of the advantages of uh, doing your show a little later in the day uh, is you get to be one of the first folks to comment about stuff that everybody else is going to be talking about the next day. The way the language is written... These straw purchases can include things that you would not consider to be a straw purchase today, would not meet the legal definition. But they can, with a little bit of leniency and liberal mindset, uh, read the text and, and come to understand that it could apply. And if it could apply, then it should apply. And if it should apply, then guess what? If you're just trying to buy a gun as a gift for someone, you pass the background check. They don't go through the background check. Uh, You've just made a straw purchase. Even though it was your intention to give it as a gift anyway. Even though the person that you're giving this to as a gift has no legal reason why they can't legally own a firearm. 
doesn't matter. That now has become a straw purchase. Now, it doesn't specifically say that, but again, if something is vague enough that it can be included, just assume, although, you know, assuming is typically bad, but when it comes in politics, you can, you can pretty much – you can pretty much bank on it. Just assume that if they say it's possible in the vagueness of the language that they will use it as a weapon against their political enemies. And in this case, the political enemies is any law-abiding U.S. citizen who still believes they have a right to own and to bear firearms. Don't know why you get such a crazy idea. It's only in the Second Amendment. Number two in the Bill of Rights attached to the end of the Constitution of the United States. It's just crazy talk, right? The language also redefines who, in fact, is a firearms dealer and therefore should be required by federal law to become fully federally licensed as a firearm dealer. Meaning, if you have a small small number of firearms that you own, I don't know, just, just say five or more. And then let's say something crazy happens. Like, I don't know, uh, 81 million votes end up being accredited to somebody like Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. You know, as insane as that sounds, we'll just say something like that happens. Now, you have these five guns. Now, that's not a lot of guns for folks that are actually into guns. But let's say you have the five guns, and, and two of them you, you, you liked early on, but as time goes by, you kind of decided you like the other three way better. You, you really don't like shooting those anymore. They maybe don't work so good for carry purposes for self-defense and certainly aren't any good for hunting or sport shooting or targeting. However, so now they essentially for you have become – it's mostly paperweights. They're taking up some space. They're not doing you any good. Um, you're not really planning on using them. So inflation's getting bad. The economy's gone to crap. You don't really need those guns anymore. Let's say you decide you want to sell those two you don't like. Guess what? Since you had five and you're looking to sell the two and oh, presumably you're hoping to make a profit, congratulations, you now need to become a federally licensed firearms dealer before you make that purchase. Yeah, it's just vague enough that that's all it would take. They specifically have the language of for profit thrown in there. They do not specifically say how many firearms are involved, but the uh, inference is that if you're going to sell more than one within a certain time frame, so as long as that's vagued up enough, they can squeeze that around to make it uh, within a year, within five years. They can do whatever they want because it's not well-defined. That's the problem with vague legislation. Now, there's lots of problems with it, but that's one of the bigger problems. They can make it mean whatever they want it to mean once it's passed, once they've gotten enough bilateral support. Once they've gotten enough folks on the other side of the aisle to, to jump on board and say, yeah, we'll vote for that because they're not smart enough to see this coming, I guess. Or are they? 
I mean, by now, I've already told you, I've given up on the idea of unintended consequences. I know that still might accidentally happen from time to time, but very few of these people are doing anything that they don't fully understand exactly what the repercussions could be. They run with it because that's actually meant to be a feature for them. Might be a bug for you, but it's a feature for them. It's it's not something that just popped up and oh, we had no idea. Even though that's going to be their fallback position when you get mad enough to make some changes. Now, uh, when it comes to uh, this last thing, the boyfriend loophole, I I still have a problem with it because in a lot of places, the red flag laws are set up to be so very vague it doesn't take much of an accusation. And then all of the all of the effort to prove your innocence is on you if there's an accusation made. And there's some places, places like Colorado, for example, where it's so vague you can do it anonymously. You don't even have to t- – and the officers are expected to, to just show up. Maryland is really bad with some of their red flag laws too, so vague and so easy to make the accusation and so very difficult for a law-abiding citizen who had a false accusation made against them still to be able to get their firearms back. So I I think you almost – if you are going to give additional funding, you're going to offer up grants to states to implement red flag laws, you need to have a firm hand to make sure that all red flag laws – fall in line with the Constitution of the United States, meaning primarily that it's not used as a backdoor way to eliminate gun owner rights and that it is not used to end due process for any law-abiding citizen. So that's the tricky part that comes from all the red flag laws is by definition there is some loss of due process. So the question is, how do you minimize that? If you or somebody that actually sees some merit to a red flag law, and in theory, I, I do think it sounds great. It sounds reasonable. And that's always been the problem, hasn't it? I mean, that's one of the repeating themes that we discuss a lot here. One of the biggest problems with the left is they always try to sound like they're the most reasonable person in the room. To try and make it seem like if you're going to challenge anything they have to say, that means either, A, you're too stupid to understand what they're trying to say, man. They're smart. They're always the smartest people in the room. Or you're just evil trying to stop them, and that's part of the problem. used to be that an overwhelming majority of conservatives looked at these leftists and thought that they were just people with bad ideas. I'm convinced more and more daily that several of these folks just are flat-out evil, so I no longer give them the benefit of the doubt that I used to. And still, I very hypocritically come here on this broadcast and ask you to give them the benefit of the doubt as much as possible. I, I do that. It's, it's a character flaw. I just I, I need to work on it. I'm sorry, guys. Shouldn't hold you to a standard that I'm not willing to hold myself to. And that's where we're at with this. I I have basically stopped giving these folks, the gun grabbers at any rate, any benefit of the doubt. Even the ones that I know have just been flat out brainwashed. It's like, nope, sorry, you should be smarter than this. But the the vagueness is so dangerous that uh, 
Yeah, they're going to be able to use this. This is going to be weaponized, and they're not going to wait long to start weaponizing this against law-abiding citizens. That's that's the scary part here. I mean, well, it's all scary. I've been using that phrase scary quite a bit, haven't I? Now, there's a bunch of gun rights groups that are already slamming the legislation, and, uh, of course, all the Republicans who helped advance it. And you know what? They should. And every one of you that's voted for any one of them needs to be on the phone and sending emails every day from now until the next time there is an election for their seat. And see, again, that's the fun part. Most of the Republicans that jumped on this are either Republicans that are either, A, not up for re-election during the current midterm cycle, won't be up for re-election in uh, 2024, or if they would have been up for re-election in this uh, midterm cycle, they've actually decided to resign. They're not seeking re-election. They'd made that announcement previously. So they're perfectly content to set the place on fire as they're walking out the door. And then they still have the nerve to be upset when you call them a rhino. Eh, go figure. Now, Gun Owners of America, GOA, they said in a press release uh, that the legislation, quote, would encourage backdoor universal background checks by redefining many private sellers as gun dealers financially incentivizing states to enact unconstitutional red flag laws and would allow for so-called enhanced background checks, uh, which are arbitrary delays in transferring firearms to adults not yet 21 years old. Now, that's just the general stuff that's from the framework, stuff that we talked about. Once again, so-called conservative senators are making clear that They believe that the rights of American citizens can be compromised away. Let me be clear. They have no authority to compromise with our rights. We will not tolerate legislators who are willing to turn gun owners into second-class citizens. I'm glad to see that the GOA, Gun Owners of America, fully oppose this, and I still stand by the phrasing that it's totally and completely unconstitutional legislation. And I'm glad to see that the GOA will continue to encourage all of their membership to make their voices heard. They they need to. In fact, if you're a conservative and you know anything at all about this, you need to be calling your representatives, your senators. Even if they're not one of these folks, these 14 Republicans that ended up helping to move this bill on to the procedural vote. But if... Your senator happens to be one of these 14. You need to be doing it every single day. See, they've been led to believe by some folks on the left that if they stand up for gun control, if they do something, the sky won't fall. Guys, it's up to us to prove that, that, yeah, the sky will fall. The sky's going to fall directly on their head. Their political careers should be done. 
Some of these people have huge war chests, and they're going to be politically connected enough that they're going to pull strings, and they're probably going to be able to survive whatever we throw at them. But there should be organized efforts to remove these people from office as soon as is legally possible. Very disappointing to see John Corn's name on that list, but, you know, I got to put him at the very top because here he is, a Republican from Texas who was a guy that I thought was a pretty good conservative. Mitch McConnell, Lindsey Graham, Bill Cassidy, Roy Blunt, Richard Burr, Mitt Romney. I'm looking at you, Utah. How many times? You can't say I didn't warn you, Utah. That, of course, is directed towards the listenership over at uh, KYAH, 540 AM, Utah's Talk Authority. Told you before you even elected this guy, don't vote for the carpetbagger. The carpetbagger is not – you guys had a great conservative that you should have put in place. Uh, buyer's remorse still means you bought it. I warned you. You got Rob Portman, Shelley Moore Capito, Joni Ernst, Lisa Murkowski, Todd Young, Throm Tillis, and Susan Collins. These, these people need to go. Every one of them, the 14. 14 and some of these folks we knew to begin with were rhinos. Some of them we knew to begin with were sketchy at best, but there's a few names on here that leaves me heartbroken. They betrayed the Constitution. They betrayed the Second Amendment. They betrayed their constituents, and they betrayed all of America. Trying to help shove us a little further down that slippery slope. All right, I'm going to have to go ahead and take that mid-hour break right now if I'm going to be able to slip it in at all. So you guys uh, don't go anywhere. I'll be right back after uh, this very brief break. Come on, man. All men and women created by gold. You know the, you know the thing. Lime dog face pony soldier. I got hairy legs. Many Americans have concluded that Joe Biden and Nasty Pelosi should be retired from office immediately. But when I look across the political aisle, in some cases, it's not much better. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee, the Second Amendment plainly states a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Traditionally, Democrats are known to be the anti-liberty party on a mission to obliterate our unalienable right of self-protection. On the other hand, the Republican Party was founded to be in opposition to the Democrat Party's tradition of slavery. Certainly, physical slavery is abolished, but political and intellectual slavery is the Democrat Party's calling card today. Democrats have maintained their mission of tyranny, and Republicans have far too often run away from the original identity of liberty, being pro-Constitution and acknowledging God. Mitch McConnell, like many Republicans, is more willing to vote for the Democrat red flag gun control bill. That has nothing to do with stopping thugs or protecting innocent victims from cretins seeking to shed innocent blood. But rather, 
It undercuts the Second Amendment and takes guns away from legal gun owners. The chronic lack of strong masculine energy and a woeful approach to governing fuels the desperate need for change before it's too late. I'm Ron Edwards. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. It's not so unbelievable that governments would want to disarm their citizens, but that citizens would beg to be disarmed by their government is a much scarier thought. We've seen government control most recently in Venezuela, where citizens are left to defend themselves against a violent government by throwing rocks, because not too long ago, they were disarmed by that very government under the guise of gun safety. Gun control laws like the ones in Venezuela are exactly what our political left in America would like to see here. As a mother, I am terrified. I have four children in our public school system. And if they knew that their teachers were potentially carrying a gun... They want to be disarmed by our government so badly that they protest in the streets, demanding that government take away their rights. All for that assault weapons ban, to keep these weapons of war out of the hands of civilians who do not need them. All for the prohibition of high-capacity magazines, because no hunter will ever need access to a magazine that can kill 17 in mere minutes. How does this happen? Well, it's complicated, but it starts with very powerful propaganda targeted at people who can't think. People who have been taught to believe that freedom is dangerous. People who can't think for themselves are targeted from many directions. Schools, movies, news sources, and even their own friends and family. And once they're on board with the anti-gun fear campaign, they continue to perpetuate the irrational gun fear. Well, they have to justify their position, right? Also yeah. don't need home protection. Um, oh. you, don't, you don't need guns for home protection. You don't want to bring more guns into a situation. The answer to solving violence is not more violence. Gun fear is cultivated purely for the purpose of gun control support. But the people who spread it don't always know that they've been misled. They think they're doing a good thing. These same people are taught to hate gun owners. They're taught that gun owners are recklessly and intentionally putting everyone in danger. They're taught that gun owners are the enemy, and more government control will protect them from the enemy. Why does anybody need an assault rifle if they're not going to war? I don't think there's any reason to have 33 bullets in a killing machine that you can take into a place like a school. Watch these anti-gun activist groups in action, and you can't help but ask yourself if they have any clue what the real results would be if they were successful. So what's the real problem here? Is it really guns, or is this about something else? I mean, do guns cause violence? How do we let the gun grabbers hijack the conversation and direct the focus to firearms when we all know we really should be talking about what causes human violence? You see, if we were to look at what causes human violence in this country, we'd be forced to look at gang violence, open borders, sanctuary cities, rampant pharmaceutical drug use, and gun-free zones all things that the anti-gun political left supports. So to the anti-gunners, why in the world would you want your government to take away your rights? The Second Amendment is not a privilege. It's your right. I'm Dan Wass. To check out my webcast, go to LoadedMike.com. To check out my book series, go to GoodGunBadGuy.net. You're listening to Tap Into the Truth. My name is Joe Biden. My name is Joe Biden. <laughs> My name is Joe Biden. 
<laughs> All right. Well, that's a new one coming out of the brick rotation. Uh, I want to give a shout out to uh, Doug, a.k.a. the Crazy Cajun, for sending that over to me to use. Uh, thank you, Doug. As always, I greatly appreciate it. Uh, the man is a gem, ladies and gentlemen. He does. does does all that and asks for so very little in return. And uh, I, I greatly appreciate everything he does. Thank you, Doug, a.k.a. Cajun. All right, before we get into this uh, last story of tonight's broadcast, want to welcome on board a new affiliate. We're talking about Diamond CBD. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I went ahead and did it. I was trying to focus primarily on CBD-infused items, but uh, they do have some of this other uh, stuff that has the artificial THC stuff in it. Uh, (laughs) So if you're interested in that kind of thing, once you're at the site, you can check it out. But today I'm focusing on chill gummies. Uh, to be specific, the Chill Gummy CBD Watermelon Slices, uh, they're natural, THC-free edibles sourced from industrial hemp. They're a premium CBD gummy with a great way to uh, to get some CBD into your daily wellness routine. And, you know, I have utilized some of the, these products, uh, some of the uh, lotions, uh, the pain creams, the relief stuff. And I got to say, I've had mixed uh, results with some of them. A couple of them have been very, very good. I know a lot of folks that uh, swear by it. And the uh, the CBD side of things, it's it's not the THC stuff. So if you're worried about getting a buzz, uh, you're not going to. And this particular item, uh, it's uh, the CBD-infused watermelon slices. Uh, just get ready to... To take a nibble on this great tasting snack and chill. That that's what it is. Uh, the link is small enough that it should not have any issues about being live on any of the platforms either. So, if you are listening to the podcast, uh, the show description there will be a link directly to the CBD infused chill gummies uh, over at Diamond CBD. Uh, so uh, just sit there. But once you're there. Uh, you can take a look at that, and then you can kind of click around and see what else they've got going on there. And as long as you use that link, they'll know I sent you. So, hey, let's go about it. Uh, Get yourself some gummies and chill, baby, chill. All right, let's let's get back to the broadcast before I start sounding like I'm a drug dealer or something. Uh, (laughs) I do have a feeling that... uh, that uh, some of uh, our past guests would be very proud that we're making this move. But anyway, uh, I saw this, and I couldn't help but have to respond. Sonia Sotomayor, current Supreme Court Justice, she came out, and she has officially accused conservative members of the court of working to dismantle the wall of separation between church and state. This was in her... Solo dissent that she released uh, Tuesday uh, in the uh, case of uh, Carson versus Malkin. Now, the majority was holding that the government could not ban taxpayer-funded tuition assistance from being used by citizens for private religious education. This is the appropriate response. This isn't a conservative response. It is an appropriate response that uh, is very much in line with what the Constitution says. 
her accusation about trying to tear down the wall of separation between church and state is also appropriate. In her little uh, comment, well, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'll read a little more directly from it. Uh, maybe not. It, it kind of depends. I get, I got very fired up when I saw this. Actually, it, it surprised me. Now, school choice advocates Corey DeAngelis tweeted the news saying that U.S. Supreme Court just ruled in a six to three decision that preventing school choice families from taking their children's taxpayer-funded education dollars to religious private schools violated the free exercise clause of the First Amendment. Now, Justice Roberts, and yeah, it's been a while since Justice Roberts has come down uh, on the right side of an issue here, but he wrote the majority opinion, and he wrote Maine's non-sectarian requirement for its otherwise generally available tuition assistance payments violates the free exercise clause of the First Amendment. Regardless of how the benefit and restrictions are described, the program operates to identify and exclude otherwise eligible schools on the basis of their religious exercise. And that's true. That's exactly what they were doing. They were trying to say, you've got to be uh, sectarian. You can't be religious. Why? Well, because these are federal taxpayer dollars. And the government has to have a separation of church and state. You're not allowed to pray. You're not allowed to have a prayer before a football game if it's a school function. You're not allowed to do this. You're not allowed to do that. That was never what the founders never what the framers of the Constitution had in mind when they said that Congress shall pass no law prohibiting the free exercise of or the establishment of a religion. Basically, they kind of were making the case that all kinds of religions should be freely visible and common in the public space. That government didn't have the right to squash it. Not that government should keep all religion out because the argument that came along in the 60s and 70s and uh, is now decades of uh, precedent. It was, again, usual leftist intellectual gymnastics that tried to make it play like, well, if the government allows this, it's too much like endorsing it. Except if you take a good, long, hard look around, there's a whole lot of government... Uh, promotion of certain religions that are outside of the majority. I seem to see a lot of bending over backwards to accommodate the Muslim faith. I mean, I'm just just saying. Now, of course, you can make any statements about how they're an oppressed people and how they've been targeted after this, that, and the other, and blah, 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 blah. And uh, fine, whatever. That's not the argument I'm looking to have today. The argument I'm looking to have today is that, guess what? The way the Constitution plays it out, it's like you don't get to say the Christians don't get to do something just because they're a majority religion in this country. Nope, nope, get it. Christians, Jews, sorry. They're not even consistent in their inconsistency. Anyway... They said that if you look at a school that would qualify for these uh, fund disbursements under any other auspice, 
any other circumstance, and you specifically say, no, not you, because you're a Christian. No, no, not you, because you're Jewish. Then that is religious discrimination. That is literally the definition of religious discrimination. That's what's prohibited in the Constitution. So Sotomayor is just – she's just got sour grapes, and she's so leftist indoctrinated she can't help herself. We'll get to there. We'll get to there in just a second. You know, it, again, it's amazing to see these people talk and, and point things because it's like they can't hear themselves and they don't understand that they're they're doing the cell phones. Anyway, Sotomayor wrote in her dissent, "This court continues to dismantle the wall of separation between church and state." That the framers fought to build, which, by the way, again, that is historically inaccurate. They did not fight to build a wall between church and state. They simply said the state, that being the federal government, is not going to establish a religion for the country. Many of the people that first came to the United States did so looking for religious freedoms. So therefore, they considered that to be one of the founding principles. Therefore, they wanted to make sure that the type of persecution these folks were running from, particularly in England initially, but also from other countries that they came from later, you know, back when we were still a melting pot, back when we weren't uh, just this group of uh, completely isolated groups that keep bumping into each other occasionally in public, when we were a melting point, when everybody, uh, no matter where they were from or what they believed, they came here to become an American that's what they wanted way back then. It's been a while. There's, there's folks my age that don't remember those days. So, so that part is just a lie. It is not true. The, the founders of this country did not look to build a wall between church and state. They worked to try to make sure that nobody was going to be persecuted through the power of government, by virtue of believing differently than whoever the majority was in an area. That's what they fought for, Justice Sotomayor. But she continued, in just a few years, quoting again now, in just a few years, the court has upended constitutional doctrine. I'm sorry, but uh, there's there's the Constitution, and then there's, there's your efforts at doctrine that is creative interpretation. That's what you're talking about, Justice Sotomayor. Your creative interpretation that gives the progressives, the so-called progressives, the advantage in every part of our society, that's not really constitutional doctrine. But they like using those words. Anyways, uh, back to what she was saying. Upended constitutional doctrine, shifting from a rule that permits states to decline to fund religious organizations of one that requires states in many circumstances to subsidize religious indoctrination with taxpayer dollars. Again, that's a false statement too. The Constitution is not what required states uh, to not fund these things. It's just so – again, I get so hot. I get frustrated here. I have no doubt that Justice Sonia Sotomayor honestly believes that that's the way it's supposed to be because that's the way she 
talks. That's the way she writes. That's the way she judicates. Always has been. That's why she was chosen when she was by who she was chosen by. But none of that is true. It's just not true. And this isn't about religious indoctrination. This is about the parents getting to decide where their kids go to school. And about the state, the government not having the right to force them to pay for everybody else's kids over here in secular land. And then still have to shell out to pay for their own children's education, which they're no longer doing. Because you know that's what taxpayers that send their kids to private schools are still doing. Sotomayor went on to voice her concern over where such decisions might eventually lead the court, saying, quote, Today, the court leads us to a place where separation of church and state becomes a constitutional violation. Because technically it is, show me, O oh learned and great judicator, where in the Constitution the phrase separation of church and state exists. Go ahead. I, I, I'll wait. You know, we'll... I can do a whole second hour uh, tonight, even though I'm just doing one hour tonight. I can do a whole second hour just waiting for you to show me where that is. And you know why I can do that? Because you're not going to get back to me. There is no such place. There is no such phrasing. That was made up out of your creative interpretation of the First Amendment. That is your creative interpretation. It is not what the Constitution actually says. Says the government doesn't get to pick winners and losers. The government doesn't get to choose for you your religion. It doesn't say you don't get to express your religion. It doesn't say that the government can't be involved with helping to promote religious activities. Just as it can't show favoritism over legitimate religions. Now, if you're going to run around as part of the Church of Satan and you want a government grant to... Uh, perform some type of sacrifice that violates most laws in most places, then I'm afraid you're not going to fall under the legitimate uh, part of the statement. No matter how legit you believe what you believe, I, that, that's, that's on you, brother. I, I'm just glad I'm not the one that's going to have to answer for you. Sonia Sotomayor's assessment basically has the argument backwards. The government saying that religious beliefs blocks people from participating in government undermines the separation of church and state. The state is barred from isolating religious beliefs. That's what happens. Sonia Sotomayor ignores that basic truth, one that has been discussed in many of the classes she took before she got to become a judge. If you take Sotomayor's reasoning to its full extent, then every religious-based outfit can never participate in the public square. If you're an atheist, you can, and you're the only one allowed. So, I mean, by Sonia Sotomayor's thought process here, Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi should not be allowed to participate in our government. They shouldn't be allowed to hold office. Because while they're not very good at being Catholics, they certainly still claim to be Catholics. If you're an atheist, yay for you, according to Sonia Sotomayor. 
this was always an obvious violation of the First Amendment. Sonia Sotomayor blew it. The state cannot bar religious outfits from participating in public programs any more than they can block anyone else. Sotomayor would make a special class of religious believers that are excluded from literally everything. Any benefit the government offers, sorry, we can't support you because you're religious. Religion was never supposed to be separated from the public square. Our founders, as she so greatly uh, put it, fought for religious freedom among other things. Our founders, they knew the reason you should want to be a religious people. Because if you're not a good and moral people, the Constitution that they wrote simply isn't going to be very effective. That's going to have to be it for tonight. I've actually already run over an hour, so the folks listening on the radio are not even getting to hear this right now. Hope they'll come check out the podcast. But for the rest of you, um, don't take my word for it. Definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort, and most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. I'm out.
is using both hands. <laughs> <laughs>